0: Hi there, and welcome to Indie Know, a podcast hosted by me, Lane Northcutt. Each episode, I will interview an indie author or publishing professional and chat about all things related to the author journey, including writing, editing, publishing, marketing, advertising, and so much more. If you're an author or just interested in learning more about writing, then stick around. Each week, my goal is simple, to help you learn a bit more about the craft and the industry. After listening, I hope you'll feel a little bit more Indie Know. Alexander grew up in the metro Atlanta area his entire life, moving from suburb to suburb, just on the outskirts of the city. He's always had a passion for writing, even from a young age. He still lives on the cusp of Atlanta, with his husband and their pets. Alexander has penned five young adult novels, all revolving around the Atlanta area, and enjoys bringing an underrepresented setting to life in imaginative and sometimes hilarious ways. When not crafting queer fiction, Alexander works for a local company in the service industry and enjoys running D and D campaigns for his friends. Without further ado, welcome, Alexander. Thanks for having me. Absolutely glad you can make it. What everybody usually wants to know. Uh, first question for everybody who's on here, um, especially as well as the author. Um, how did you even get started writing? Right, like yeah. When does that become a passion, and where did it lead into the indie publishing side of things?
1: Yeah. So I've um, always had uh, a love of of reading, especially growing up. I had the um, kind of unique Uh, experience of, I grew up actually homeschooled from kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm. Um, So I never set foot in a public school setting. um, And that allowed me um, a little bit more free reign and a little bit more reading time than some of my peers. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so it started off young with like, you know, Chronicles of Narnia and hit the Harry Potter books and kind of uh, rapidly snowballed from there. Um, And I knew that it was something that I wanted to do even from... I remember in fifth grade, writing creative stories for my English lessons um, about a sentient air freshener and him being like a private eye investigating stinky smells in the kitchen. So it was always something um, that I knew I was going to do eventually. Um, and uh, it, that's that's essentially just kind of what got me started in my journey. Um, for my senior project, uh, I actually Uh, my dad worked in publishing at the time as a, as a cover designer and formatter. Um, And so he actually helped me piece together my first quote unquote novel um, at 18. And um, we, we published it um, as my senior project, which was really cool to show my friends and family. And uh, if any of them pull that out now, I tell them to burn it and bury it in the backyard (laughs) because I never want to look at it again. Um, (laughs) But yeah. So um, even from, you know, from my uh, adolescence, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. Um, I got busy after high school. I was working for a, um, well, let's just say a pretty well-known national chicken company um, <laughs> that maybe closed on Sundays. I was working mm. um, for them for most of my young adult life. In fact, even started working for their corporate office in my mid-20s. And um, decided that the corporate life was not something that I really enjoyed or wanted to keep doing. Um, so I left that job and without a job for about six months in 2016. And that's when I wrote, um, technically I wrote three books during that time, but I wrote the first book that way I would, I would publish, um, my first young adult novel. Um, I wrote it, um, after picking up, um, my first, one of the first YA, quote unquote YA novels. I mean, this is 2016, so we're at like the peak of like YA popularity. Um, but the first, the first one that I picked up um, that made me want to write the genre um, was Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. And I remember, um, which is uh, Becky Albertalli's book now known as Love, Simon, from the movie and the show and uh, everything else. Okay, Um Yeah. So I picked up that book and I remember getting in the mail to me at like six o'clock at night and I picked it up and I was like, I'll read a couple of chapters before bed. And then I stayed up till 4am reading the entirety in one sitting <laughs> and got to the end of it and realized like, oh man, this, this right here, this is what I want to write. This is... This is what I need. This is what I needed to read ten years previous to that, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I want to make more stories like this one. Um, So I sat down, worked out what exactly, kind of like how I would put my spin on it, um, what I wanted to write, and that's where my first book, "There Goes Sunday School," came from, um, which I finished writing towards the end of 2016. And um, from there, I started. The querying process, which i 'm sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with if they've <laughs> if they 've tried their hand at that it 's not exactly fun, um, but queried it out to over one hundred and fifty different agents and small time uh, publishers um, had a little bit of interest, not too much um, and actually it 's funny i uh, the way I actually found. Um, the small press that picked up that book was through a Twitter pitch contest. Um, and so they liked one of my pitches and I sent over pages and, um, the, the owner of the, uh, of the, the publisher, um, literally emailed me like five minutes after I emailed her back. And I was like, I, I'm not used to anyone emailing me anytime soon. So this is wild. Um, so fast. we started a conversation and that, uh, that led to them, um, taking me on and publishing my first three books with them. Um, they were a small town, a small town press out of uh, Jupiter, Florida. Um, that's where the mm-hmm. owner lived. And it was kind of this, um, interesting, it essentially was like three people that ran the, the, the small press. They had, um, me and two other authors with their authors. Um, the owner was also a YA author at the time. She's since moved on to, um, adult romance and is actually doing quite well. Um,
0: that genre tends to move on.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so that was in, uh, they picked me up at the end of 2016 and then that book no, I'm sorry, the end of 2017 and then that book released in summer of 2018. So that's my first book, there goes Sunday school. Um, I put out my next book, uh, Lock and West, and then my third book, Ghosting You in 2019, both of those. And then that publisher actually ended up um, closing at the end of 2020. Um, and those books all reverted back to me and the agreement. That's how we kind of had it lined out. And um yeah, and then I kind of started exploring. I was like, "Well, you know, I have experience under my belt. I have these tools that they've given me. I'd I, I created a good relationship with a, um, a graphic designer through the company that they use to make um, covers and formatting and things like that." So it's like, "Man, I've got good tools. I feel like I've, I've, I've developed the skills I need to to do this myself." Um, and then I just kind of moved on into the self publishing world. So the first book I. Self published was actually a sequel to my first book um, called Here Goes Nothing, and um, yeah, and from there I've released um, one more standalone title, um, One Perfect Moment, and then we had the this current release that happened like uh, less than a month ago, um, theoretically straight, which was my first um, my first uh, co authored book with, with my best friend, and uh, it's their first book, uh, first time published as well. So it was cool to kind of walk them through that process and be with them for that.
0: That's super cool that like a first for you in one way is also a first for them and, and the same. So yeah, to, like know, it's go hand so in hand together through that journey.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And we've been, we've been best friends since middle school. So it's, it's really fun for, for, for them to be able to, um, not only for the, for the topics that we discuss because it's, uh, we both kind of grew up, we actually met at, at church and, uh, so we're both kind of, um, Reformed evangelicals, we like to call ourselves. Um, But uh, just being able to write about the topics that we cover in there, um, it's been very cathartic, I think, for both of us. And and being able to get it down, so it's been a lot of fun.
0: That's great. I mean, it's 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 amazing that you have like so many titles to pull from and so many experiences to draw from as well. That um, there's so many questions I could ask, right? Um, (laughs) But uh, I I think the the first one is how did it feel and 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 like, what were some of the things that you remember happening when you took that plunge from going indie into self-publishing?
1: Yeah. So I I would say that the biggest thing about um, the biggest difference is from going from that um, kind of small time publisher into indie is that like I was so in the dark. About how everything worked when it came to my publisher. Like, I had a great relationship with the owner and she, she and I were just on a, a daily, ch- I mean, we chat back and forth all the time. Um, so I was lucky in that, that any question I asked her, she would always be very transparent and upfront with me. And I know that's not always the case, right? I mean, you can't always go to your publisher and be like, Hey, how many sales did we have today? And they'd be very forthright and upcoming or like uh, upfront with you. Um, so just the, the setup for everything from the setup to me being able to fully access like all of the data of my books to being able to see um exactly like how what i did affected sales or affected rankings things like that um it was a lot to absorb kind of all at once yeah. um and being able to kind of have and honestly just a little bit scary to go be, be like okay i'm truly on my own here this is all me now um it really was scary, but also exciting because I knew that I had that creative control to be able to go, you know, um, this truly is, um, you know, works, works that I have poured my blood, sweat and tears into, and now they are fully 100% mine. Um, and I'm able to share them with other people. So I think that was the, that was the biggest thing is just kind of absorbing all that information and being like, okay, what do I do next? <laughs> um, and being able to know that, you know, the buck kind of ends with me. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, and it's easy for, I think, for authors who are in the self-publishing space to feel as if they, they are, like, I know you're in complete control at the end of the day, right? But it also mm-hmm. sometimes feels like there's no one else to take control. Right. And, and it right. almost like leaves you <laughs> alone and, uh, and, and scared. Yes. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. um, worried of like, am I doing the right thing when I do this thing here, or should I be doing this thing? And it, it can, it can cause a little bit of anxiety. Um, it, has Definitely. there ever been moments for you like that? And, and how did you s- sort of like work through that?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, especially there at the beginning, I mean, I was just looking at, um, looking at everything because not to get too much into the technical, but essentially what I had to do to get everything corrected is that I had to unpublish all of my works and then republish them under my name. And so there was a huge bit of anxiety. I was like, am I going to lose the reviews that I have now? Am I going to lose the, um, the traction that all those books had? Um, My books have have always sold decently well, um, especially in my genre. So like I was very, um very worried going into it i was just like man, am i going to kill any momentum that i had in doing that and i did see a little bit of that drop at the very beginning but then uh, about a month in things kind of settled back to normal as to what the numbers were um pre unpublishing mm-hmm. um but yeah, so I would say, um, thankfully, I I, I maintain that relationship um, with the um, the author that was the uh, the owner of the publishing company. She um, to this day, I mean, we still we still chat to this day. But she uh, she was great in answering my questions and anything that I needed from that. So I had a great resource to be able to pull from um, and to go to. And then honestly, I just spent so much time in uh, in, in 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 the author like. Facebook groups and like web searches of just being like, am I doing the right thing? Did I click the right button? Um, do I click bleed or not bleed on Amazon? I don't know what, what are my my margins?
0: Right. Yes.
1: (laughs) A hundred percent. Um, so yeah, so it was all, I mean, definitely taking that plunge was, was wild to begin with. And then, so that happened, um, in December of 2020 is when, um, those books reverted back to me and then I rolled out my first self published title in, I want to say May of that next year. Um, so it was a pretty quick turnaround to be able to, um, to write that, write that title. I had, um, I had, I had like a partial outline by the time that that rolled around. And so I was like, man, I, I better, um, I better get working on this because I want I wanted something to kind of help me keep that momentum up. So, um, and turning around and doing that, and roping my husband into being my new editor, that was a fun little discussion <laughs> we had to have. Um, he's he's great. He stepped in and corrected all of my comma spices for me. That's how much he loves me. Um, <laughs>
0: You know you found good
1: uh, oh yeah, and then um just uh and just and just getting it ready to go, so I would say, yeah, I, I, thankfully, I didn't have a lot of downtime, I didn't have a lot of of idle time to to fret. I just kind of was like, okay, let me hit the ground running and go from here, so I Thank think that you. helped a lot.
0: You just jumped right in the deep end, <laughs> yes <laughs> um well before i before I move on to to the next thing, I just uh hearing you talk about this i I wonder because it, it makes me think back to some of the questions that I've heard from other people, um, some friends in in the author community that have, that have asked. And, um, and I've spoken to a couple of friends who are also have been with like small presses or, or indie presses. Mm -hmm. And, um, there's always the question of like, well, what's, what's the benefit of being indie and like, what do I, what's, what's good for me to be with indie and, and bad. And then also Compare and contrast, basically, to self-publishing, right? Like, what are what are the pros right. and cons to both sides, and and having just you know more recently than not, I guess, I mean, a, a couple of years now, but like more recently for you uh, in that way, what would you say to that? Um, like, what are those benefits, um, but also a little bit of a detriment if there are any to to indie, but also self-publishing?
1: Yeah, so I would say the biggest the biggest boon I found with um, being with my publisher was them just having the knowledge base. I mean, I was fully green. I did not understand mostly anything about how publishing worked kind of moving into it. And so they were able to, um, kind of take me under their wing. They offered, um, developmental, um, editing. We went through, um, my titles. Um, we did three rounds of, um, structural editing and then one round of copy editing. Um, so they helped me polish it, make sure it was the best that it could be. Um, they fully offer. I mean, they took care of everything from a creative side. They, they took my input on, um, cover design and everything, but in my contract, it did state they had fi- the final say. Um, so I would say that cause that's kind of goes both ways. Um, thankfully my cover designer was amazing. I still use her to this day. Molly shout out. Woo-hoo. Um, <laughs> she's great um but uh but yeah, that was a big thing as well that I mean they had the the final say when it came to um the development of um the covers and everything like that um and then they also uh, helped with the marketing, so they um had it roll out on several different um book tour like virtual book tours at the time um they ran um they managed and ran and ran Amazon ads um, when, when the book did release, um, and yeah, just everything from that end. And while I will say like, you don't get the exact transparency of, I mean, as a, as as an independent author, you can go and see exactly what your book is doing right now and what your sales are, you know, to this day. Um, while I didn't have access to that information, they were very communicative about um, how the book was doing. Um, and just offering encouragement in that. So I would say, um, if you find a good, uh, small publisher, like I did, um, one that's very genuine and not, um, shady in any of its practices. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really great experience and I I really did enjoy it. And I felt like it was, um, honestly probably one of the best things that could have happened, um, for me for my first couple titles there. Um, yeah, I would say, I mean, that is it. I mean, at the end of the day, we had a, um, and honestly, we had a pretty good agreement too, um, as far as the royalty split. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a 60-40 split. So they they took 60, I would take 40 of the, of the royalties um, sold. And from people I've talked to before, that's actually, that's a really good deal. Um, And then they also, oh, one of the biggest things that they did also, they also negotiated the audio rights um, Mm. for my first three titles as well, and were able to even get us an advance on that through Tantor Media. Um, So Tantor Media covered the production costs of those first three titles, and then we actually were able to um, get an advance on that. And um, all those audio rights also reverted to me um, at the close of the publisher as well. So yeah, I was very fortunate, but just awesome to be able to, to work with them while they were around. Um, I, I really do, uh, miss some of the support, um, from that. But like I said, we, we I developed good relationships with those that I work with and, and we still talk to this day. So it's been good.
0: Yeah. And then, so and then how does say, that compare guess, to the self-publishing side of things?
1: Yeah. So for the self-publishing side of things, it, it really is just like, uh, at the end of the day, like everything comes from me. So from a, from a marketing standpoint to, um, to editorial and everything like that, I have the, I, I, I have to be my own self-starter. I don't have anybody there with a deadline being like, you have to make sure it's written by this date. That's me now. Um, so that's, that's always going to be, um, Hey, if you're, if you're a great self-starter, then it's, it's not a big deal, but sometimes I just need a little kick in the pants. Um, but yeah, so that's been it. And honestly, just being able to 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 have uh, people to fall back on that are that are familiar with the industry and familiar with the ins and outs, um, I would say that was the the biggest difference. Now it's you know we scour the the the, the groups for advice, and uh, some some advice is good, some advice is not so good, um, and you have to discern that. You have to make the final choice and be like, all right, what's good for me and what's best for my project. So. Um, right. Yeah, I'd say that's going to be the biggest uh, the biggest change between the two.
0: Okay. Yeah, and, and it's it's funny. Um, it's it's sort of a sort sort of a side thought, but I know um, in in reading your bio, right, that that you uh, also play and and you know, DM D and D probably. So like, yep. Um, it, it kind of makes me think of like transitioning from uh playing in a campaign mm-hmm. to then running. And playing in a campaign at the same time, (laughs) um, which sounds chaotic, uh, chaotic Mm -hmm. evil almost at some point, Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the story is still cool and it's still all yours, but uh, it's definitely a lot more work, right? Um, Yes. Yeah. And speaking of a lot of work, um, Mm -hmm. something you said earlier really, uh, really like struck me uh, uh, as really impressive. And that was the time frame in which you got your, your books written. I I'm very curious <laughs> yeah. to know your writing process and, and yeah. how you maintain that in order to get the quality books that you do.
1: Definitely. Um, yes. So I will say my, my genre is contemporary YA. So I will say that my books are very dialogue heavy. Um, mm. so that is, that is a, an awesome an awesome uh, perk of, of being in my genre is we don't have to do a lot of world building. I don't have to keep a lot of notes about making sure I don't forget names of places and people and things like that. So that's, that's really helpful as well. Um, but yeah, I've always been, I've always been a decently fast writer. I wouldn't say I'm not the fastest, but if I, if I'm being disciplined, I, I usually can crank out, you know, a thousand words a day, five days a week. That's, that's the pace that I try and set for myself. Um, when it comes to, uh, working towards like a deadline. Um, but really honestly, it, it all just depends on on how inspired I am. I mean, I feel like my first book that I, my first book that I got published and then the first book that I self published both had this sort of kind of fiery, um, motivation behind them. And that's why I was able to kind of write them so quickly as I really was, um, Honestly, I just I was inspired in the moment um to be able to kind of crank those out as, as quickly as possible if I wasn't working my day job if I wasn't um you know tending to my to my normal uh, responsibilities I was at the kitchen table cranking it out. So um I would say that's been a big thing. But anyway, um as as far as my writing process, I am I'm very much a um I am a plotter. Mm -hmm. I used to be a pantser. I have evolved into a plotter in my, in my thirties. Um, but I will say that I'm a loose plotter. So I start off, I I have just a very loose guidelines. I I know where I want the story to head into it, but I don't, uh, glue myself to those ideas. I let them kind of evolve as I go. And, um, usually I have to go back and write the first, rewrite the first or two, one or two chapters, but I hear that's a good thing. So. but yeah, yeah, I think uh, as, as far as that process, I, I have just a, a loose outline, and then I kind of take it from there.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I I would say that I probably fit the same category as you in that in that regard, because and and what I've heard people refer to it as as a planter, like they just <laughs> like combine the two, yes. and I was like, honestly, that yeah. sounds right. Uh, very on brand. Um, build a fence so I can walk in the space between them. Um, yes. <laughs> but. Uh, so the the fiery passion that you felt with your first book, uh, both self mm-hmm. and and published through the publisher, um, was that because of the setting or the the content um, within or both?
1: I think it was a little of both. So, and really, and what was so cool about that is the first book that I, that I self-published was a sequel to the first, to my first book. Um, so I had a really strong connection with those characters. Um, so a little, a little spoiler alert. So my first book, um, There Goes Sunday School, um, is essentially, um, the tagline that we came up with it is, um, what's harder than being a closeted um, a closeted kid in rural Georgia. How about falling for the pastor's son? Um, oh, so it was no. like <laughs> set, yeah. So set in like a conservative Baptist church, um, set in that um, in that time frame, and so it struggled with like a little bit of the religious aspect as well as like the the, the community and things like that. So um, that was always something very close to my heart, just because that was a big part of my upbringing. Um, and then to be able to revisit those characters. And um, at that point, I had established a um, a pretty good uh, fan base of that first book um, who kind of just were... Practically begging for um, another uh, story with those characters, um, because in the first book it really didn't have a uh, like a happily ever after ending. It kind of ended with a bit of a bittersweet note between um, the two main characters, and so being yeah. able to explore more of their relationship um, the next year when they're a year older and things are different um, was really cool to be able to get to to come back. And a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Funnily enough, not that I wrote it to do this, but a lot of people who um, may not have liked the way that the first one ended came back to read the second one and be like, "Okay, now we, now we, now we like it because (laughs) the story was complete." So um, I think so. A lot of that did kind of spur that project, and not only was I. not only was I motivated to get another book out, um, because I was by myself at that point in creating this. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I had the, the, the passion of the readers that were like, yes, we want more of this. So that was really cool.
0: That is, that is really cool. I, I always love like hearing about when people talk about that, uh, the support from the readers and, and I, I really love that myself. Um, and that's like, I, my my first book i got some of the same things i got some messages from people like as they're reading and they're like oh my gosh i can't believe xyz i love that character cuz i write <laughs> YA dystopian and people die yeah. um yeah and uh and then the ch- they like must have read the next chapter immediately cuz they messaged me not long after we're like <laughs> never mind love that part of the scene my bad i was like thank you i'm i'm glad yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: just keep reading literally anytime somebody messages me while they're reading and they're like why did this happen my message to them back is just keep reading i promise just keep reading
0: <laughs> like the dory of authors right? instead of just yes. keep swimming, just keep reading
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely
0: <laughs> um and and working on the sequel right I, I i have uh a book too as well and i want to say that it was it, it was harder than writing book one uh, because book one, I was also more of a pantser at that time. Right. And it was kind of like, Ooh, I could do whatever I want in this world because there's nothing holding me back. uh, And there's no (laughs) actual evidence that this thing exists and I have to to it. Did you, did you find uh, any problems with that happening for you? Or like, did you find that the sequel was harder to write or easier?
1: I felt like it was, it felt harder in the sense that I wanted to make sure that I was staying true to those character voices. Um, so between, I'd written two other books between, um, those two. And so I wanted to make sure that, um, it wasn't getting, um, mixed up with other characters that I've written I always want to make sure I'm having a distinct character voice my books are all written in first person perspective so you're truly inside that character's head and I wanted to make sure that I was um, carrying that voice on it also had an interesting challenge because the first book I wrote um, was just from one perspective while each book that I've written since then second book on has been from alternating dual perspectives. Um, so you get to every chapter is a swap in perspective between the two main characters. Um, so I introduced, I reintroduced that into the sequel for my, for my first book. So now you're getting the perspective of the love interest on the other side as well. And so it was people's kind of first look inside of his head as well. Um, so that honestly, that gave me a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, a lot of play um, to be able to kind of work um, in those chapters. But also I wanted to make sure that, you know, that, that that character was still coming across genuinely like he did in the first book as well.
0: And and for your character voices to maintain that consistency and and genuineness. Right. Um, I don't know if you do anything like similar to me. I'll like go back and read because I have dual perspective in my first book as well. And then multiple others in the second. Um, I'll go back and like read the chapter from that point of view before just to like yes. help a little bit more with that, because it, it can be quite difficult jumping from head to head, yes. um, especially when they're quite different at points, right? Um, and if they're feisty Absolutely. teenagers, that can be very difficult. Yeah. Then. Um, but do you have any other uh, methods of of helping yourself with that or, or like tips for people who are also writing multiple perspectives and maybe struggling with that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So I think one thing that I always try and do is I always make sure that, um, when it comes to the tone of that character that I am, I'm staying away from, I'm staying away from uh, common, common phrases. So I'm making sure that, um, that they process information differently. Um, so I think that the, the coolest thing I was able to do, um, with that is that in my, um, in my book, one perfect moment, um, that is, um, you have one character, um, who is very much introspective while you have a secondary character who is very much, um, a chatterbox. And so being able to see the, just even the, the difference in like the, the quantity of dialogue in one chapter to the next, because so much of it is internalized, um, in one chapter and you go to the next one and it's just nothing but him just running his mouth for three pages straight. Um, so just having that, um, Juxtaposition between the characters, just latching onto something that makes them different um, mm-hmm. in those ways. Because, of course, all of our characters are different. I mean, they all come from our head, but um, they all have different um, backstories. They all come from different mm-hmm. places um, and have different things that they're trying to, to that they want that they're trying to get. Um, and so, I have I run into the issue, and this usually comes out in my editing process. There are times that I'll go back and be like oh man, this character said the exact same line two <laughs> chapters ago. I need to rethink about how he would say it in this instance. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being very aware of that. Um and I will say, I, I, so I would say it's probably the biggest, the biggest thing in my editing process as I'm going back through is just catching those little things, um, just to make sure they have distinct voices. So, um, it's not so much something that I stress about too much in the like drafting phase, but in that first revision phase, I'm going back into, I'm going, okay, what makes this voice distinct?
0: Mm. Okay. And, and during your uh, drafting phase, do you, do you mm-hmm. tend to find yourself? Sort of self editing as you go, or do you are you able to allow yourself to just be like whatever comes out, I'll deal with it later.
1: Yes, I've done both, and I will say that i I have found that I need to self edit myself to save my sanity for later. Because Mm -hmm. going back to that rough draft, if it was just a if I just allow myself to go, hey, it's great that I can get you know twenty five hundred words in in two hours. That's awesome but I'm adding three hours of like editing later into the mix. And so I'm like, what's the balance here? Mm -hmm. Um, so I will say it's, it's just a little bit of both. I will say, um, mostly, mostly my revisions come from like a, like, like I said, like a voice or tone thing. And then I'll try and keep it as, uh, as grammatically correct as I can in that first initial draft. So to save myself the, the headache later, um, but yeah, so typically and and the way I do that really is that I'll 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 write I'll write the full chapter and when I get to the end of the chapter I'll just go through and read it and be like, "All right, let me fix what I can here without getting too bogged down." Um that just kind of saves me a little bit of work later.
0: Okay. Um and and um I, I don't usually ask too much on the technical side, but is there uh do you have mm-hmm. a preferred um uh software that you use for writing and and a, and a reason behind that and and your process? Yeah,
1: I I like I actually just got on the um, I just got the premium subscription for Grammarly um, about I think I'm almost a year into it at this point. And um, from from my husband's perspective, it's awesome because it fixes all of those nasty little comma splices that he was having to flag for me.
0: Less work Um, for him.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, Does it bug me? Yeah, a little bit, but I get over it. Um, And honestly, it just kind of helps me keep straight as I'm drafting. That's just something that I can Get to the end of it if I get to a, a point where I'm stuck thinking through something I'll just look through and start fixing off the little red underlines that I have um, yeah it's, it's, it's been really good and honestly in the revision process so for um, my late my latest book the first book that I did a collab with, um, we wrote that in Google Docs um, mm-hmm. going between us like sharing the file so we could actively see each other as we're going through. And that editing process was absolutely wild and Grammarly really saved our butts in that one and helping us to kind of get it under control um, when it came to move that into a Word doc and getting it all edited. So um, I can't say enough good things about it. Don't don't listen to everything it says, but 99% of the time it's right. So
0: That's good to know. I mean, I see... At- I see a lot of Grammarly ads, right? Because um, yes. <laughs> especially considering I, I teach at a school and, and I'm using yeah. YouTube quite a bit to like show clips of things. It's always, uh, have you tried Grammarly? But it's good to know that <laughs> yeah. it is that helpful. Um, I've heard a lot yeah. of success stories from people that use it. Um, I use it for a little bit. Uh, I, I usually am using more like Scrivener and, and Evernote okay. for a process for myself, but I know a lot of authors who, who use Grammarly and, and also collaboration with like Google Docs yeah. too. So. Um, but you know what, at the end of the day, I also revert back to Microsoft Word. So it's like, it's all, it's <laughs> right? all fair game. As long as my book gets out there, I'm going to use it. Right. Yes. Uh, whatever percent Um, and something that you said earlier, um, that I wanted to, to come back to was, you know, the, we were talking about the tone of voice for characters and, and mm-hmm. hopping heads and things like that. And, um, you were saying something to the effect of like, basically, of course it's all, it's all, you know, coming from us, but it's, it's all different parts of a story, different people, all that. And I want to, I want to know more about like how much of yourself really is in there. Do you find yourself being surprised at certain moments or certain characters having traits of your own or, or experiences Mm -hmm. that you've somehow unknowingly put into your book?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, I would say for the most part, uh, every, probably every character, at least every character, every main character that I write, everyone that I write from their perspective has a little bit, of, has a little slice of me. Um, that first book, my first book, There Goes Sunday School, the main character, um, doesn't have the exact upbringing that I did, but a lot of the same views on his religion, a lot of the same struggles that he has internally were things that I went through at that same age as well. Mm. Um, In my second book, Locke and West that took a kind of a very different turn. Um, It was my first dual POV book. um, And then it also brought in the juxtaposition of like, uh, different classes so you've got one one kid that's very well off and one kid that's very poor and then you have just a different um uh you have uh, one of the characters is um is on the autism spectrum and one of them is not you have one that is a, a quiet um mathematician and the other one is a very loud theater kid so i was like man it's like if you <laughs> if you took the quiet introverted um, homeschooler side of me, and then you took the loud theater kid side of me, and you split them into two different people. It was essentially those two characters I was writing. I was like, it's the polar opposites of my personality, um, <laughs> kind of coming through there. Um, but yeah, it was very funny. So uh, talking about um, the voice, it was—it's uh, funny because when I first was uh, dating my husband Cecil, he—he um, he actually we we met the two weeks after I had signed my first book deal, Mm. uh, we met at a speed dating, um, event, if you could believe that. And, um, yeah,
0: I (laughs) didn't know they still did that, but that's cool. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah. No, we didn't either. And Facebook really advertised that to us very heavily and neither of (laughs) us wanted to go. And both of our roommates talked us into going. So here we are.
0: Nice job. Seven
1: years later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, but yeah, so we um, so we first met, um, and he, when he first read my book, he he literally he he did come to me. He's like, "Man, I knew." He's like, "I could have picked that book up, and I knew it was yours because that character sounds just like you. Like he talks like you talk, and he sounds just like you." And I was like, I "Wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing?" But <laughs> either way, um, it, it came across as genuine. I feel so. It's been good. Um. But yeah, I would say that every, every character has a little bit of me. Some of them have more than a little, um, but I would definitely say that's, that's something that I find. And, and yes, I I am surprised sometimes, um, how much of that comes across in the page and, um, and yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been fun either way. I, I get so attached to them. I, I, I make myself cry when I'm writing. So that's, uh, I guess that's a good thing. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, from what I hear that, yeah, I know a lot of authors who like they, they will show that like a tiered post. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe it's over. or I can't <laughs> believe that, you know, this character just died and it was like basically part of me. So, and I mean, it makes yes. sense, you know, it's, it's, it, mm-hmm. it, it is a part of you and and in many ways, right. Cause you've spent so much time with them and as authors, you know. We do understand they are real, like for us for a while, like they're real people in in our worlds. Right. And so it can feel like a true loss. Right. It's sometimes um, either the book is over or the character is. Um, Yes. (laughs) I've always found myself mostly putting myself more I've noticed into the secondary characters and not as much of the main, Yeah, which I found interesting too. Cause I very much like the spotlight as an, as a theater person. Um, yep. but then most of myself is put into the very not spotlighty side of things, which is <laughs> an interesting, uh, analysis, I guess. Um,
1: That's funny. it's like, what are you trying to tell me subconscious? Do I need to take a step yeah. back here? What is
0: this? <laughs> yeah. Do I need to write a different book? I'm confused. Um, but, uh, speaking of representation and, and, mm-hmm. um, overall, I know that you're, we're, we'll get into, um, both, both big aspects of resp- representation for you, but firstly, it is the representation of your, your city, right? Your home and, and the fact that you, uh, do use that in some of your books, um, what was the, firstly, like, what was the decision behind doing that? And, and how do you find that that helps you in the, in your writing process?
1: Yeah. So I think I, I decided early on that I really wanted to, um, to set, to have a strong setting in pretty much all of the books that I write, um, just because I feel like it, um, if done well, Um, The setting essentially becomes a character in and of itself, right? So um, as I sat down and I was reading and reading and reading, leading up to um, writing my first YA book, I was just devouring YA book after YA book after YA book. And I found... um, a lot of them, you know, um, the characters would, you know, gravitate towards metropolitan areas. It makes sense; that's where a lot of people live, right? So you have the the, the stories set in New York, you have the stories set in California, you have the the odd story, and you know, the Pacific Northwest uh, Twilight. Um, but yeah, so um, all of those places, and and it makes sense. I mean, that's where a lot of people live and 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 experience life, right? But I found that, like, until. Until I picked up Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda um, or Love, Simon, Um, that was literally the first book that I'd ever read um, outside of school um, that was based in Georgia and in Atlanta in a place that I'd grown up, you know, I've lived within a 10 mile radius of Atlanta my whole life. Um, and so it was so cool to be able to see, um, even though, um, Becky, the author had like fictionalized the, like the neighborhood that they lived in, it was still very much set in that, um, very specific part of Atlanta. And so as that also like became a movie and they actually came and filmed it in Atlanta as well, it was just so, um, it was it was it was uh, so cool to be able to see. It's like oh my gosh, I've I've been to this place. I've gone there before, and being able to see um, that come to life. So that was just really mm-hmm. cool, and that really bolstered my decision. It was like I want to make sure that you know my town is represented in these stories as well. Um, and so yeah, so that's what I did. So I've 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 had um, each of my um, characters are from a fictional town in uh, in Georgia. Um, I've had some of them be in more rural parts. I've had some of them be um, closer to the city and in Atlanta. Um, but really, just being able to show um, and showcase um, a, a city that doesn't really get um, much attention in this genre. I mean, there's there's plenty of places. I mean, Atlanta is kind of the Becoming essentially the the new the new hot place for for movies and things like that with studios coming here, but yeah. um, but being able to show um, the diversity of Atlanta, I think, is always going to be its 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 uh, its biggest strength. Um, just being able to see um, all of the culture and everything that um, has come and, and settled here. It's just really awesome to be able to kind of bring that to life. That's
0: that's really that's uh, that's really amazing that you're able to bring to life a city that is already full of such life right and but like mostly for you and and a lot of people aren't familiar with that life that that you're Mm -hmm. putting on display um and do you ever get messages or or talk to people who are from from the area about about your books and and the fact that you know they're happy to see their their area represented and um and if so what are some of the things that you you've been hearing
1: yeah. So, um, yeah, yes, I have had, um, I have had several people reach out. Um, honestly, I've had a lot of people that I grew up with reach on and be like, Hey, that's really cool. And not only that you, that you wrote a book, but also, I mean, these are places that we, you know, we know of and have been to. Um, a really cool part is that in, in my first book, I actually, um, I actually added a, a, a pretty pivotal scene between the main two characters that takes place at a tea shop. Um, in the East Atlanta Village that is a very real tea shop. Um, they're a not-for-profit um, called Dr. Bombay's Underwater Tea Party. And I'm like, this is such cool a man. whimsical place and such a whimsical name. I can't not put it in a book, right? Like it's the perfect setting. And so it was so cool that I actually went and sat in their dining room as I was writing this scene and being able to incorporate all of these really awesome details um, to be able to um, to have my characters experience that. And like, I can still go to that tea room and point to the table where my two characters sat by the window and had that conversation. Um, and it was, it, it, it had such a pivotal, um, effect on me and the writing of that. Um, that that's also where I like had my first like author event. I was like, I want to do a book signing here at this place that is featured in this book. And, um, the owners of course were like super awesome and let us do it and, and I got to have a great conversation with them. But, um, so yeah, so I feel you could just feel the people that showed up from the neighborhood and at that event and everything, you could just feel, um, the appreciation of, um, of, of having their neighborhood represented that way. And, um, and yeah, so it's been, it's been really awesome. And and I've had nothing but, um, but love from the people, uh, both from Georgia and from, um, you know, around the, honestly, around the world, um, being able to talk about that and um, just being able to experience it. And I think it's been really cool too, because we get to also a little bit defy some of the um, preconceived notions that people have about Georgia and things like that. Um, You know, people, a lot of people think that um, if it's, even though it's a a big city, it's still in the South and it still has those, um, you know, the southern charm that that hides okay. all of the, you know, blatant racism or homophobia or things like that. So um not saying those things don't exist, but I am saying that, you know, Atlanta is so much more than that and so much more than um what some people have reduced it to. So I wanna I wanna make sure that everybody knows that and we can show it in those books.
0: No, I love that. Um I'm I'm originally from Kentucky, so I under I totally understand oh, okay. um, <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> what you mean. Um and and in doing so in 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 trying to to represent that um more underrepresented and and more unseen side of of Atlanta and Georgia on the whole right um i know that um you know a, a number of your books are, or all of your books right are are uh, considered queer fiction as well right that's in mm-hmm. the genre so like can you talk a little bit more too about um firstly like writing for queer fiction um what sort of challenges you've had with that, but also what sort of triumphs you've, you've seen within that genre for yourself and, and maybe for others, if, if you've noticed any there.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, um, and honestly, um, so Atlanta has always had such an awesome queer community. Um, they've been a part of, um, of, of, Atlanta's history since, I mean, since the beginning. So, um, being able to um experience some really amazing queer spaces in Atlanta, um, from the massive pride festival they do every October, um, to the, uh, to the the gay the gay scene um, the the gay bars um, that I frequented in my twenties and being able to experience that um, that expression um, that I hadn't been able to experience um, as a teenager um, I, I really that that part of it was really what I wanted to infuse in these stories. Um, so I would say that um, I always set out to um, to write the books that I would would have wanted to read um, as a teenager growing up. So when I sat down to write my first young adult novel, I was like, what, what would I have wanted to pick up off that shelf at 16 and be able to read and really to have changed not only my perspective, but also like my thinking in life about how I viewed myself and how I viewed others. Um, and so that's really what, what, steered um my writing and still does to this day um as i sit down at the computer i always am thinking you know what what books would i have wanted to pick up um as a young adult and um how can i how can i show queer fiction in a way um that people haven't seen before but then also that can be enjoyed by by non-queer readers as well Um, and so i think that um I've had a lot of success in that. Um, I will say that I'm sure you're aware a lot of uh, young adult book readers are actually, you know, people our age and our, you know, in our, in our adult years um, that enjoy the genre and um, just enjoy the topics that are covered that are covered in these books. Um, I've had readers well over my parents' age reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, these books are what, I wish I had at your age, or I wish that I had at at this character's age, um, to be able to see this. Um, and I've had, you know, teenagers reach out to me and be like, Hey, this is really cool that I'm able to to see this, um, in a way. So, um, it, it was very important to me that, um, queer fiction is, is, is pretty much all that I write. So it's, it's, I won't say it's all that I'll ever write, but for the time being and to, for the immediate future, it's all I want to write. So I want to make sure that we're bringing um, these, these to life. And it's been really cool to be able to, um, with, my, with my most recent book, to be able to co-author that with my in my, li- in real life best friend, because we've been able to, um, we've had such, uh, we are completely different people than when we first met at like 13 or 14. Like, looking back, it's so funny. We'll pull up pictures and be like, wow, I don't even know if these people would recognize us if they looked at us today kind of th- kind of way. Um, and so being able to see, um, my best friend to be able to express their queer joy in this way and exploring this character, um, really kind of brought me full circle and being like, yes, this is 100% why I wanted to write these books is for people like them. Um, to be able to find that queer joy and express it and have that, that healthy outlet of being able to, um, to, to, to have these stories in their life. So, um, I think that's, that's pretty much that just, that just, uh, is, is the, the, the one and only reason that I write queer fiction is to have moments like that.
0: I love that you have those moments. Um, yeah. Cause I know that, uh, and, and I not to, not to like, um, dwell on on this question much, but uh, Mm -hmm. there are authors who don't see as much of the positive side of it, right? Because they see some negativity coming their way. Um, Mm -hmm. If you've had any of that, um, how did you deal with it? And, and, and what are your words to those who are trying to still write in that genre, but also like are, are struggling?
1: yeah so i'm super grateful i i came into the genre essentially at like the the beginning of the of the queer renaissance essentially of (laughs) ya i mean it's it's just exploded (laughs) over the last um eight to ten years it's been wild um seeing the amount of it and honestly and people are still wanting more which is really cool um i will say pretty much the only it's funny enough pretty much the only negative feedback that I've gotten, um, from my books is, is, is in the titles that also tackle topics of religion. And so we'll have, um, I'll have people reach out that are, um, that are queer identifying, but also, um, you know, Christian identifying or, um, or whatever that looks like. And they'll have issues with some of the, um, the, the points or the discoveries that the characters make in the book. And at the end of the day, like, I, look, like I, if, if you, if you want to talk about my book in a negative or positive light I, at the end of the day, definitely, you know, me write to me, I'll talk to you all day long about it and we'll have that conversation. So I don't ever consider it to be like a negative thing. Um, but I just find it so interesting that that, that that one topic has stuck out so much um, is in the tackling of how these characters' relationship with their religion changes when they're looking at it through the lens of their queerness. Um, and so, like, I've had characters who have, um, who have essentially accepted to, or or have figured out a way to balance the two, um, to be able to be like, Hey, you know what? I, I have my religion and I have my queerness, and they don't have to, um, oppose each other. You know, they are all part of me and who I am. And then I also had characters that have, um, walked away from religion and be like, that's not what's best for me. And I have to do what's best for me as a person. Um, so, it's just interesting to see how much, like how many conversations have started out of that. And I would say I've gotten some blowback about that, um, especially from even just people I know in real life um, that have had those questions for me. And it's just been a, an interesting way to bring up a conversation. And that's how I see it. Um, so, to anybody that's dealing with that, especially just in writing topics when it comes to, um, religion or politics or anything like that. Just be like, Hey, view those as, as, as ways to open up a conversation. And as long as the person is not being like, you know, if they're being harmful in their words to you, don't engage, don't worry about it. Just move on. Um, everybody has an opinion and you know, every, not, a, not all of them are good. Um, but if they are truly, asking you like your opinion or your take on this as as the author being like hey you wrote this opinion and i think that um or i want to discuss that further um yeah just see it as a way to be able to connect with that reader and be like hey my book may not be for you but i i can still talk to you about the subject um We actually just got um, our first uh, review like that about our book, Theoretically Straight, that came across on Goodreads a couple of days ago, and I sent it to um, my co-author and was like, "Congratulations, it's your first bad review." And like, I'm like, well, "I'm gonna frame it and put it on your wall." Um, but it had a lot to do with the uh, the topics that we that we discussed about religion. So um, it's ch- it can be challenging um, as an author. I think you have to kind of develop a bit of a thick skin when it comes to what people say about your writing. Um, but I think it's also a great opportunity just to remember that, hey, um, this person obviously either is struggling with this topic that you're discussing in your book, which is a great which is a great opportunity for you to be able to have a conversation with that person. Um, or you just know that, hey, your book's not going to be for everybody. And that's okay, because there's thousands of other people out there that it's for. Um, and so just focus on them, right?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, with every, for every negative review, I, I like that you brought that oh, yeah. point up too, right? Like that it, you don't have to view them necessarily as negative, right? Like some people, right. there there are those spam accounts that are going to go one star, no text or whatever, right? The, yeah. Those exist. But like <laughs> the genuine people, like if they took time to write a review, it affected them in some mm-hmm. way. So, right. you know, at least there's that. If you didn't start a dialogue yeah. between you and them, you may have at least started an inner monologue for them right? And, yeah, and hopefully you got you got them thinking, if nothing else. Um, but uh, were there times where you found yourself? Uh, were there any like moments of even further self discovery within the time you've been writing these books? I mean, I know it's, you know, y- you have been have been writing them for quite a while now, right? Mm-hmm. But um, how much have you have have you had moments of self discovery, even in these more recent books, and it, as much as the beginning?
1: yeah I think so um i've i've been super lucky in my life to have the opportunity and space to be able to um to kind of come into my queerness later in life um, I came out at twenty four and um honestly I've had a really great support system um even in my family I know not everybody has that so i've been very lucky in that aspect as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly evolving and changing as a person and growing in that. And I feel like my writing, um, adapts to that. So essentially, um, as I change and grow as a person, I feel like my writing changes and grows along with me. Um, and I'd love to, um, I'd love to keep exploring that through through my writing as I go. Um, I feel like I honestly could probably write YA for the rest of my life and be happy. So um, we'll see we'll see if that happens. Um, but just being able to explore the topics of, of like what's going on um, through the lens of that coming of age and like everything that goes on, I feel like it's just such a, a powerful tool to be able to um, to be able to process um, that essentially what's going on in the world and being able to um to know and kind of go through that journey of discovery um that i still go through today at, at 32 i'm going through the same stuff i was that my characters go through at 16 that i was going through at 24 and i'll continue to do through my life so
0: i'd be like as human beings we're always going through somewhat different <laughs> uh, versions of the same thing right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um what and and uh before just before we wrap up um what it, have you ever given thought to what you uh your like teenage self reading this like what would what would have been some of the thoughts you would have had if you had actually picked this up off the shelf and like if you looked at it sure. through that lens what what sort of like uh, feelings and, and thoughts would you have had and 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 how would you feel knowing that like uh, you know th- 30-year-old you wrote this
1: yeah, definitely. I feel like the biggest the biggest impact it would have had on me, if for for me specifically, um I felt like my world was very small in my teenage years growing up. Um I talked about I I was I was a bit of a of a sheltered child. I I was homeschooled throughout all of literally K through 12. So I pretty much only had friends that I met through other homeschool groups or through churches. Um, or things like that, so I, I lived a very uh, I lived in a very small world growing up, and so I feel like the biggest thing that I would pick up from honestly any of my books that, that I read um, would be just the exposure to, to people that thought and and acted differently than anyone else that I knew in my life. So just knowing that the world was much bigger than I thought it was, um, there were people out there um, who are very unapologetic in the way that they lived. Um, I feel like would would have had the biggest impact in seeing that, um, as, as a teenager and being able to be like, um, being able to see that, uh, to see people live unapologetically on a page and being like, Hey, you know, that's, that's something that someone can do. um, would have had a a profound impact on me. And also I probably would have picked it up and be like, no, this is sacrilegious. I can't read this. (laughs) And then stuck it under my bed to read it at night. So
0: that's probably (laughs) what would have happened. But yeah, I love that. The, the, you know, you have the flashlight, the water bottle, and and you're, you're ready for a late night read, right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) um, So, uh, the last question I have is, is something that I like to ask all of the authors as I, as I'm um, finishing up. And, and the question is like, what advice would you give to any um, indie or self publishing authors out there? Um, whether that be on the writing side of things or the life side of things, like what would be your yeah. piece of advice for them?
1: Definitely. I think my biggest advice, and this is something that I, I talk to, um, my best friend about when they were kind of getting into, um, the writing scene. And even before, um, even before we decided to write this book together, um, I really just told them, Hey, not everything you write is going to be published and not everything you write is going to be great, but it's going to be great because you wrote it and you're going to have that for the rest of your life. And all of that is just like foundational building blocks that you're just going to get better and better as you go. Um, so I, I myself have had so many projects that I sat down and wrote and I have a, you know, a completed book just sitting on my computer that probably will never see the light of day. And that's okay because all of those books helped me grow as an author and helped me develop those skills that I needed to create the next one. And that's the one that sold. And that's the one that I put out that people, um, that people loved. Um, and so just knowing that, Hey, you doing the work, that's the most important part. So just sitting down, doing the work, and then giving yourself the grace of knowing it's like, hey, I don't have to sell this thing to a million people in the world. I just have to enjoy what I'm writing and stand behind what I'm writing. And at the end of the day, look at myself and go, hey, you know, I'm a great writer because I enjoy what I'm writing. And um, one day other people will as well. Um, So just know that, You know, just because just because you may not have sold that book if you've been out on on, you know, proposals or if you've been out on querying and anything like that, that doesn't mean anything. Um just, you know, keep keep at the work, keep doing what you're doing and and write the stuff that you want to write, write the stuff that makes you happy and uh you'll find your audience one day.
0: I love that. Well, um Alexander, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a it's been a huge pleasure to talk to you, to meet you and to have you on the show.
1: Definitely. Well, thank
0: you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another episode of Indie Know, a podcast hosted by me, Lane Northcutt, author and creative. I hope you enjoyed today's guest and that you went away from this episode feeling a little bit more Indie Know.